After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalib the Masih the Fifth, Ayyadullah Ta'ala ibn Aziz, stated, Whilst mentioning the previous condition of the companions and the revolutionary transformation that took place in them after accepting Islam, Hazrat Muslim Ma'ud has mentioned Hazrat Umar as one example. I have mentioned this previously, but I shall mention it once more in relation to this. Hazrat Muslim Ma'ud writes, Observe the way in which they became the companions of the Holy Prophet and the elevated ranks that they attained. They achieved this by striving to their utmost. Otherwise, they were the same people who previously were sworn enemies of the Holy Prophet and would hurl abuse at him. Hazrat Umar who became the second caliph after the Holy Prophet was such a staunch opponent of the Holy Prophet in the early days that he left his home in order to kill him. He met someone on the way who asked where he was heading, to which he responded, I am going to kill Muhammad The man then said, First go and kill your sister and brother-in-law who have become Muslims, then kill Muhammad. After hearing this, he became enraged and made his way towards his sister's home. As he approached, he saw the door closed. Someone was reciting the Holy Quran and his sister and brother-in-law were listening to it. At the time, the commandments regarding the veil had not yet been revealed, which is why the companion was sat inside. Hazrat Umar knocked on the door and demanded for it to be opened. Having heard his voice, those inside the house became frightened that he may kill them. They therefore did not open the door. Hazrat Umar then said, If you do not open the door, I will break it down. They then hid the Muslim who was reciting the Holy Quran and the brother-in-law also hid, leaving only his sister to go and open the door. Hazrat Umar asked, What were you doing? Who is the person who was reciting something? Owing to fear of him, she tried to change the subject. Hazrat Umar said, Whoever was reciting should recite to me also. His sister answered, You will dishonor it. 
so we shall not recite it to you even if you kill us. He replied, I swear that I shall not dishonor it, i.e. he will not disrespect the Holy Quran. Thereupon the Holy Quran was recited to him, and upon hearing it, Hazrat Umar began to weep and ran to the Holy Prophet with sword in hand. Seeing him, the Holy Prophet said, Umar, what is the matter? How long will this go on? Hearing this, Hazrat Umar wept and said, I set out in order to kill you, but I myself have become stricken. This was the summary of the lengthy incident which has been previously mentioned. As a Muslim further states, This was their state before, from which they then developed. There were companions who would drink wine and fight amongst themselves, i.e. referring to some companions, and they possessed all kinds of weaknesses. Yet, when they accepted the Holy Prophet and acted with a determination and effort for their faith, they not only reached a lofty status, they also became the means through which others were able to attain a high rank. They were not born as companions, for they were like anybody else. Yet, it was their actions and determination which transformed them into companions. If we do the same today, we can also become like the companions. With regards to how much Hazrat Umar anhu feared Allah the Almighty, there is a narration in which Hazrat Umar stated, Even if a goat perishes on the edge of the Euphrates River, I am fearful that Allah the Almighty will hold me accountable on the Day of Judgment. In another narration, it is mentioned that Hazrat Umar anhu said, If a camel perishes on the edge of the Euphrates River, I am fearful that Allah the Almighty will question me about it on the Day of Judgment. Hazrat Anas bin Malik narrates, One day I was outside with Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab when he entered a garden. There was a wall between myself and Hazrat Umar. He was inside the garden. At the time I heard Hazrat Umar say to himself, O son of Khattab, bravo, you have become the leader of the faithful. By Allah you ought to fear God, otherwise he will most certainly punish you. The following was engraved on Hazrat Umar's ring. Meaning, O Umar, death is enough to admonish a person. I.e., that if a person always keeps death in mind, then that is enough as an admonishment and enough to reform oneself. Abdullah bin Shahzad states, I heard Hazrat Umar sobbing while I was standing in the last row for prayers. He was reciting the following verse, meaning, I only complained of my sorrow and my grief to Allah. Hazrat Khalibs Masih IV once mentioned this narration in a sermon. He mentioned some more details of this incident in his own words as follows. Hazrat Abdullah bin Shahzad states, Once Hazrat Umar was leading the prayers, and I was standing in the last row. However, 
I could hear Hazrat Umar's fervent prayers and emotions. Innama ashku bathi wa huzni ilallah. Meaning, I complain of all my sorrows and anguishes before Allah. I do not need to complain to anyone else. Thus, those people who remain occupied in the remembrance of Allah, they do not cry about their worries or concerns and ease their conscience before anyone other than Allah. The narrator then states that he was in the last row, but he heard Hazrat Umar's fervent prayers and lamentations. How did Hazrat Umar look after those who had rendered services for a long time and offered sacrifices? Regarding this, Sa'laba bin Abi Malik states, Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab was distributing shawls to the women of Medina. The shawls were of good quality, out of which one shawl was left. From among the people there, one of them said, O leader of the faithful, Give it to the daughter of the Holy Prophet who is with you in marriage. He was referring to Hazrat Umm Khulthum, the daughter of Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Umar said, No, Umm Thalid is more deserving. Hazrat Umar further said, Hazrat Umm Thalid is from among those women of the Ansar who pledged allegiance to the Holy Prophet She used to carry water bags for us during the Battle of Uhud. There is also mention in the narrations about how Hazrat Umar would bestow favours on the relatives of those who offered sacrifices. Zayd bin Aslam narrates on the authority of his father, I went to the market with Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab. A young woman came from behind and greeted Hazrat Umar and said, O leader of the faithful, my husband has passed away, leaving behind young children. By Allah, they do not even have goat trotters to eat. They do not have any land to harvest, nor any animal that gives milk. I fear lest they succumb to famine. I am the daughter of Khafaf bin Imar al-Ghafari. My father was present with the Holy Prophet during the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Umar stopped where he was and did not proceed further. Hazrat Umar then said, That is wonderful, such a close relation. Then Hazrat Umar left and returned with a strong and healthy camel which was tied at his home. He loaded two sacks of grain on it. Between the two sacks, he placed enough money that would cover their expenditure for an entire year and also loaded clothes for them as well. He then gave the reins of the camel to the woman and said, Take this, this will not have finished when Allah the Almighty shall grant you more. A person said, O leader of the faithful, you have given a lot to this woman. Hazrat Umar replied, May your mother mourn for you. I.e. he expressed his displeasure. By Allah, I can still see her father and her brother before me and how they managed to besiege a fort for a long time and eventually capture it. After that, in the morning, we divided their portions between us. I.e., the fort was conquered by both of them, 
for which the Muslims received the spoils of war after that. In other words, they all took a share from their portion. This was the reason why she deserved all that. With regards to how Hazrat Umar would look after the elderly, physically impaired and poor men and women, there is a narration in which Hazrat Talha anha states that one night he saw Hazrat Umar leave his house in the darkness of the night. Hazrat Umar entered one house and then another. Next morning, Hazrat Talha went to one of the two houses where he found a blind elderly woman sitting down. Hazrat Talha asked her, The man that visited last night, what does he come here to do? The elderly woman replied, He has been helping me for quite some time. He completes my work for me and cleans up. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Talha said to himself in regret, O Talha, may your mother mourn for you. Woe be unto you. You went in search for an error on Umar's part, but the matter is something completely different. These were the extraordinary standards of service to one's people that were established by Hazrat Umar. There are many narrations which demonstrate that Hazrat Umar looked after poor women and children and how, owing to his fear of Allah, he would support them and become anxious to help. If he would see that someone from among his people's needs were not being fulfilled, he would become restless as a result of it. I have mentioned some examples in the previous Friday sermons in reference to certain matters. For example, on one occasion, Hazrat Umar asked a woman why her child was crying, to which she replied that since Umar did not fix a ration for suckling babies, she was trying to wean him and had stopped giving him milk and so he was crying out of hunger. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Umar became restless and immediately arranged for her food provisions. He then announced that from then on, every newborn child would be assigned a ration. Similarly, a woman who was travelling did not have any food and had to camp for the night. Her children were crying out of hunger. In the night, when Hazrat Umar learnt of this, he became worried. He immediately went to the store and took food provisions himself to her. He was not content until he cooked the food, fed the children and they began to laugh and play. Only then did he leave from there. Hazrat Muslim states, just look at the example of Hazrat Umar On the one hand, the renowned kings of the world were in awe of his power and might. The Byzantine and Persian empires quaked in fear of him. But on the other hand, the mighty Umar becomes anxious and worried on seeing the hungry children of a Bedouin woman. He places a bag of flour on his back and with a pot of clarified butter in his hand, he goes to see the woman and does not leave until he cooks the food with his own hands and feeds it to those children 
and they eventually fall asleep. There is an incident that has been related by Ibn Umar When Hazrat Umar returned from Syria to Medina, he separated from the others in order to inquire about the people, i.e. he separated himself from the caravan in order to inquire about the conditions of the people. He passed by an elderly woman who was in her tent. He began inquiring about her situation, to which she replied, What has Umar done? Hazrat Umar replied, He is here, he has returned from Syria. The woman said, May Allah not bestow goodness upon him from me. Hazrat Umar replied, Woe be unto you, why? I.e., why would she say such a thing? She replied, Ever since he has become the Khalifa, I have not received a single allowance, neither a dinar or a dirham from him. Hazrat Umar said, Alas, how would Umar know of your condition when you are living in a remote place far away near the jungle? The elderly lady did not know that she was speaking to Hazrat Umar. To this she replied, Holy is Allah. I do not believe that someone can be appointed to rule over the people and he remained heedless of what is happening around him. Hazrat Umar began to cry and said, Woe to you, O Umar! How many similar complainants will there be? Each one of them understands faith more than you. Hazrat Umar then said to her, How much do you seek in recompense for the injustice done against you? I would like to save him from the hellfire i.e. he would like to save Hazrat Umar from the hellfire, and inquired how much it would take to make amends for this injustice. She said, Do not mock me. May Allah have mercy on you. Hazrat Umar replied that he was not mocking her and kept on insisting to tell him until he managed to pay 25 dinars as recompense for the injustice done against her. They were in the middle of this conversation when Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib and Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud arrived and said, Peace be upon you, O leader of the faithful. Upon this, the woman placed her hands on her head and said, May Allah have mercy on me. I spoke ill in front of the leader of the faithful. Upon this, Hazrat Umar said, No blame lies on you. May God have mercy on you. Hazrat Umar then asked for a leather parchment to write on, but could not find one. He then ripped a piece of his own cloak and wrote on it, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the ever-merciful. This manuscript is formed between Umar and such and such woman and affirms that all the injustices committed against her from the time he became leader until today has been compensated for with 25 dinars. Now if she stands before Allah on the day of resurrection and makes any claim, Umar is absolved from it. Ali bin Abi Talib and Abdullah bin Masood are witness to this. He then gave this parchment to Hazrat Ali and said, If I pass away before you, then place this inside my grave. We often find that people have very high standards when it comes to settling the marriages of their children. However, what were the standards that Hazrat Umar took in this consideration? In relation to this, there is a narration reported by Aslam, who was the freed slave of Hazrat Umar. He states, One night, I was walking in the company of Hazrat Umar near the outskirts of Medina. In order to rest for a short while, Hazrat Umar sat beside a wall of a house. 
the elderly lady inside the house could be heard saying to her daughter, wake up and add water to the milk. Upon this she replied, have you not heard the announcement that was issued by the leader of the faithful that one should not mix water into milk? The mother replied, neither is the leader of the faithful present here and nor the person who made the announcement for him. The girl replied, by God, it does not behove us that we show obedience when we are present before him and show disobedience in his absence. Hazrat Umar was extremely happy upon hearing this and stated to his companion, O Aslam, leave a mark on this door. The next day, Hazrat Umar sent someone and sought the girl's hand in marriage to be settled with his son Asim. Upon witnessing the truthfulness and piety of this girl, Hazrat Umar settled the marriage of his son Asim with that girl. Later, Asim had a daughter with her and Hazrat Umar bin Abdul Aziz was from the progeny of this girl. In one narration, Salama relates, On one occasion, I was walking through the marketplace and Hazrat Umar was also passing by in order to attend to some of his work and he was holding a whip in his hand. Hazrat Umar stated, O Salama, walk to one side of the path. He then lightly hit me with the whip which tapped the corner of my garment. I moved to one side and Hazrat Umar remained silent. A year had passed since that incident and I met Hazrat Umar once again in the marketplace. Hazrat Umar stated, O Salama, do you intend to go for Hajj this year? I replied, Yes, O leader of the faithful. Hazrat Umar then took hold of my hand and took me to his home. He then took out a small pouch with 600 dirhams inside it and stated, O Salama, use this to fulfill any needs you may have and this is in retribution for when I hit you with a whip one year ago. Hazrat Salama states, Upon this I submitted, O leader of the faithful, I had completely forgotten about this incident and only today you have reminded me of this. Hazrat Umar would also monitor the market prices so that neither party's rights as citizens of the land were affected. Mentioning this, Hazrat Muslim states, Among the rights of the citizens is that the trade and dealings should not be adversely impacted. We find that Islam has not overlooked this right and therefore has prohibited one from increasing the market price and selling at a higher price. Similarly, it has also prohibited one from significantly reducing the prices in order to cause loss to others and making their businesses fail, just as we see in the markets today. Once a trader was selling grapes in Medina at such a price which other traders could not afford to sell at. Hazrat Umar was walking by at the time and admonished the trader because owing to this act of his, the other traders were suffering a loss. Thus, Islam has prohibited one from selling products at an extremely high price and also from significantly reducing the prices so that neither the traders are faced with loss and nor the members of the public. Amir relates that a person once came to Hazrat Umar and stated, I have a daughter who had been buried alive during the Jahiliya. However, I took her out before she passed away. Later, when she accepted Islam, she was prescribed one of the punishments which Allah the Almighty has ordained. She was guilty of a wrongdoing as a result of which she received a punishment. Subsequently, she took a knife in order to take her own life, but I quickly took hold of her. However, she had managed to cut some of her veins. I then treated her until she fully recovered and then she sincerely repented. O leader of the faithful, I am now receiving messages asking for her hand in marriage. However, 
should I inform them of the previous incidents that took place in her life and what she did? In response to this individual, Hazrat Umar stated, Will you disclose those faults of hers which Allah the Almighty has concealed? By God, if you ever reveal those details to anyone, I shall punish you in front of the entire city in a manner which will serve as a great warning. In fact, you ought to settle her marriage like any other righteous Muslim woman. Forget about what has happened in the past. With regards to the plague of Amwas and how concerned Hazrat Umar was to protect the lives of others, it is mentioned that there is a valley called Amwas which is situated at a distance of six miles from Ramla towards the direction of Bait al-Maqdis. According to the books of history, it was named as the plague of Amwas because the outbreak of the plague started from here and spread throughout Syria. Countless deaths occurred in Syria as a result of this plague. According to some, there were around 25,000 deaths. On 17 Hijri, Hazrat Umar departed from Medina for Syria and reached Sarg, where he met the commanders of the army. Sarg is the name of a village near the valley of Tabuk which is situated near the borders of Syria and Hejaz. Here, Hazrat Umar was informed that there was an outbreak of the plague in Amwas and upon seeking consultation, Hazrat Umar returned. The details of this incident have been recorded in Bukhari as follows. With reference to another account, this incident has been mentioned previously as well. When Hazrat Umar reached Sarg, he met the commander of the armies, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah and his fellow companions. They informed Hazrat Umar that there was an outbreak of a plague in Syria. In order to seek counsel on the matter, Hazrat Umar first and foremost invited the Muhajireen to present their suggestions. However, there was a difference of opinion amongst the Muhajireen. Some of them were of the opinion that they should continue on with their journey and not turn back, whilst the others suggested that the noble companions of the Holy Prophet ﷺ were present in the army and therefore it was not appropriate for them to be taken into an area where there was a plague and it was better to return. Hazrat Umar then told the Muhajireen to leave and invited the Ansar to present their suggestions. Just like the Muhajireen, the Ansar also had a difference of opinion. Hazrat Umar then invited the elders of the Quraysh who had accepted Islam at the occasion of the conquest of Makkah and then came and settled in Medina. All of them unanimously expressed their opinion of taking everyone back and that there was no need to enter an area where there was an outbreak of the plague. Accepting this suggestion, Hazrat Umar announced to return. Hazrat Abu Ubaidah then asked whether it was possible for one to escape from what Allah had decreed. Replying to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah, Hazrat Umar stated, O Abu Ubaidah, I wish it was someone else who had uttered what you have just said. Indeed, we are moving away from one decree of God to another decree. If you had some camels and you reached a valley which had two sides, one was lush green area, while the other was a dry and barren land, would it not be in accordance to the decree of God if you were to take your camels to graze in the area with lots of vegetation? And on the other hand, would it not be also according to the decree of God if you decided to take them to the dry and barren land? The narrator of the tradition states that in the meanwhile, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf came 
who was not present earlier owing to some other work he was engaged in. Hazrat Abdurrahman bin Auf submitted, I have the answer to this issue. I once heard the Holy Prophet say that if one learns about the outbreak of a disease in a certain area, they should not travel there. And if the disease had emerged in an area which one resides in, then they should not leave the area in order to escape it. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Umar expressed his gratitude to Allah the Almighty and returned from there. Hazrat Umar had arrived there from Medina and had not yet entered the land where there was an outbreak of the plague. Hence, he returned along with his companions. However, since Hazrat Abu Ubaidah was the commander of the Muslim army and was already in the land where the outbreak of the plague had taken place, therefore, he and the rest of the Muslim army remained in the area where there was an outbreak of the plague. Upon returning to Medina, Hazrat Umar was concerned for the Muslims in Syria and thought of ways of how they could be safeguarded from the devastating impact of the plague. Hazrat Umar was particularly concerned about Hazrat Abu Ubaidah One day, Hazrat Umar wrote a letter to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah stating that he required some important work from him. Therefore, upon receiving the letter, he should return to Medina immediately. Furthermore, Hazrat Umar stated that if he received this letter in the night, he should not wait for the morning, and if he received the letter in the morning, he should not wait for nightfall. This was the level of love he had for Hazrat Abu Ubaidah. When Hazrat Abu Ubaidah read the letter, he said, I know the reason why the leader of the faithful needs me. May Allah bestow his mercy upon Hazrat Umar, for he wishes to extend the life of that which is no longer going to remain. In other words, Allah knew best as to what was going to happen with him. Hazrat Abu Ubaidah then replied to the letter stating, O leader of the faithful, I have understood what you desire, but please do not call me back and allow me to remain here. I am one of the soldiers from among the Muslim army. Whatever has been decreed will come to pass, but how can I abandon them? When Hazrat Umar read the letter, he began to cry. Those who were present in the company at the time inquired, O leader of the faithful, has Abu Ubaidah passed away? Hazrat Umar replied, No, but there is a possibility that he may. After seeking consultation from some of his learned and wise companions, Hazrat Umar wrote a letter to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah and stated that he had taken the Muslims to a lower terrain. However, he ought to take them to a more elevated region whereby the air is pure. In other words, he ought to take them in a mountainous area where the air was more pure. Hazrat Abu Ubaidah was still reflecting over how to implement this instruction when he was overcome by the disease and he passed away. Hazrat Abu Ubaidah had appointed Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal as his deputy. However, he too passed away owing to the plague. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal had appointed Hazrat Amr bin Alas as his deputy. He delivered a speech saying, When there is an outbreak of a disease, it spreads like fire. Thus you should safeguard yourselves by hiding in the mountains. Hazrat Amr bin Alas took the people from there and went into the mountains until the outbreak of the disease subsided and eventually finished completely. When Hazrat Umar learnt of this address delivered by Hazrat Amr bin Alas, he not only was pleased by it, but he also considered it to be an implementation of the instruction he had given to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah Apart from Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Al-Jarrah, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, Hazrat Yazid bin Abi Sufyan, Hazrat Haris bin Hisham, Hazrat Suhail bin Amr, Hazrat Utba bin Suhail, and various other prominent individuals passed away as a result of the plague. Hazrat Muslimaud has also written with regards to returning from the area where there was an outbreak of the plague of Amwas. When the battle took place in Syria and there was an outbreak of the plague, Hazrat Umar also travelled there so that he could take advice from the people and make appropriate arrangements to protect the Muslim army. 
However, when the impact of the disease became even more intense, the companions submitted that it was not appropriate for Hazrat Umar to remain there and that he should return to Medina. When Hazrat Umar decided to return, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah stated, Afiraran min qadrillah? Are you running away from the decree of God? Hazrat Umar immediately replied, Naam, nafiru min qadrillah ila qadrillah. Meaning, I am going from one divine decree to another. In other words, it is wrong to abandon worldly measures and means. Indeed, the worldly measures and means should be adopted whilst keeping them subservient to one's faith. There are a few incidents of Hazrat Umar's acceptance of prayer. Hazrat Khawad bin Jubair narrates that once during the caliphate of Hazrat Umar, the people suffered from a severe drought. Hazrat Umar went out with the people and led them in the prayer of istisqa, i.e. seeking prayer for rain, consisting of two rakats. Then he placed his cloak on his shoulders, taking the left end and placing it on his right shoulder, and taking the right end and placing it on his left. That is to say, he wrapped the cloak. He then raised his hands in prayer and supplicated, Allahumma inna nastaghfiruk wa nastasqika, meaning, O Allah, the powerful and mighty, we ask of your forgiveness and supplicate to you for rain. Hazrat Umar had not yet moved from his place following the prayer when it began to rain. The narrator says that some villagers came to Hazrat Umar and submitted, O leader of the faithful, on such and such day, at a particular moment, clouds rained on us in our valley and we heard a voice coming from them saying, The rain of Abu Hafs has come to you. The rain of Abu Hafs has come to you. There is also an incident reported about the acceptance of prayer of Hazrat Umar in relation to the flow of the river Nile. Before the spread of Islam, the people of the river Nile adopted a ritual to cause the river to flow when it would dry out. Whether the ritual had an effect or not, only Allah knows best. However, the spread of Islam brought an end to this ritual. The incident about this ritual coming to an end is as follows. Qais bin Hajjaj relates that when Egypt was conquered, the local residents came to Hazrat Amr bin Alas on a particular day during a month on their native calendar and said, O chief, we have a ritual for the river Nile without which it does not flow. Hazrat Amr inquired about what exactly the ritual was. They replied, When eleven nights of this month have passed, we go to an unmarried girl in the presence of her parents. With the parents' consent, we clothe the girl in elegant clothing, adorn her with jewellery, and throw her in the river Nile. Hazrat Amr replied that this would never be tolerated in Islam, and all such traditions that existed before would be discontinued. Thus, they desisted from their practice, but the river had dried up and the people were considering to leave their homeland. They would throw the girls into the river in the beginning. Finally, when the river Nile had completely dried out, the people decided to migrate and leave their home. Hazrat Amr saw this unfolding and wrote to Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab about it. Hazrat Umar replied to Hazrat Amr saying, what you have told them is correct. Islam brings an end to all such rituals that came before it. 
He also enclosed a small note in the letter and instructed Hazrat Amr, I have enclosed a small note with my letter for you to throw into the river Nile. When the letter of Hazrat Umar was received by Hazrat Amr, he opened the small note which read, From the servant of God and leader of the faithful Umar bin al-Khattab to the river Nile of Egypt. Hereafter, O Nile, if you flow of your own accord, then by all means stop flowing. However, if your flow is decreed by Allah the Almighty, then I pray to him, the one and most supreme, to cause you to flow. Thus Hazrat Amr put the note into the river Nile one day before the Christian holiday. By the morning, Allah the Almighty had increased the water level in the river Nile by a span of 16 hands in a single night. With this, Allah the Almighty brought an end to the ritual of the Egyptians. Most historical accounts confirm the validity of this incident. But one biographer of Hazrat Umar Muhammad Hussein Haikal, has denied the fact that such a ritual ever existed. Nonetheless, this is one incident. Then there is an incident during the battle in which Hazrat Sariya fought and how he heard the voice of Hazrat Umar. This incident has been mentioned before, but I will mention it here once again in context of the acceptance of prayer and the special treatment granted by Allah the Almighty. Tariq At-Tabari states that Hazrat Umar commissioned Hazrat Sariya bin Zunaim to go towards Fasa and Darab Jard. Upon arriving there, he besieged the enemy, who followed to call their allies for reinforcements. The reinforcements began to gather in the desert to fight the Muslims. When their numbers increased, they surrounded the Muslims from all sides. At the same time, Hazrat Umar was delivering his Friday sermon when he suddenly said, Ya Sariya bin Zunaim, Al-Jabal, Al-Jabal, that is, O Sariya bin Zunaim, the mountain, the mountain. In the near vicinity of the Muslim encampment was a mountain, and if the Muslim took refuge there, the enemy would only be able to launch an attack from one front. Thus they took to the mountain for refuge. They fought against the enemy and were victorious, ultimately obtaining a great deal of the spoils of war. While speaking about this incident, the Promised Messiah has stated that the companions demonstrated many such miracles. I have read out the complete excerpt of the Promised Messiah in a previous sermon. Thus, if we take the incident related to the River Nile into consideration, it is very possible that it is in fact true, contrary to the belief of some historians. There is also an incident about a cap blessed by Hazrat Umar for the Byzantine Emperor. Regarding this, Hazrat Muslim writes, During the Caliphate of Hazrat Umar, the Byzantine Emperor suffered from severe headaches, and despite all efforts to cure the ailment, he was unable to find relief. Someone suggested to him, You should write to Hazrat Umar about your condition and request something blessed by him. He will not only send you something blessed, but will pray for you as well. Perhaps through the prayer of Hazrat Umar, you will be cured. He sent an emissary to Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Umar thought to himself that these people are arrogant and it is very unlikely for them to be inclined toward him and only due to the emperor's anguish, he has sent a representative. Hazrat Umar thought that if he sent a blessed object, the emperor may think of it as insignificant and not utilize it. For this reason, he thought that he should send something that fulfills the function of a blessed object and also breaks the emperor's arrogance. 
Therefore, as a blessed object, Hazrat Umar sent an old and ragged hat that had stains all over it and changed colour due to the accumulation of dirt. When the emperor saw the hat, he was very displeased and did not wear it. However, God Almighty desired to convey to him the message that now he could only attain blessings by means of the Holy Prophet Muhammad He suffered from such a severe headache that he was forced to summon his servants and asked them to bring the hat sent by Hazrat Umar so he could wear it. He wore that hat and his pain began to ease. Because his headache would return every 8 to 10 days, it became routine for him to wear the ragged and dirty hat sent by Hazrat Umar while seated in his royal court. Hazrat Muslim further states, This sign shown to the Caesar by Allah the Almighty has another hidden aspect. A companion of the Holy Prophet had been imprisoned by the Caesar and he ordered for him to be fed the meat of swine. He would endure starvation rather than going anywhere near swine meat. Although Islam has permitted that if one is driven by absolute necessity, one can consume swine, but he would say that he was a companion and thus would not do so. When many days of starvation would pass and a state of near death would overcome him, the Byzantine emperor would give him something to eat. Then, as he regained some strength, he would again instruct that he would be given swine to eat. Thus, he would not let him die, nor would he let him live in peace. Someone said to him that he was experiencing severe headaches because he had imprisoned a Muslim, and now the only solution was to ask Umar to pray for him and request him for a blessed object. When Hazrat Umar sent his hat, and this eased his pain, he was so overwhelmed that he freed the companion. Observe how the emperor had imprisoned a companion, and as a punishment, Allah the Almighty caused an ailment in his head. Someone then suggested to him that he should seek a blessed object from Umar and request him to pray for him. Hazrat Umar sent that blessed object, and that emperor's ailment was cured. Thus, Allah the Almighty ensured the means for the freedom of that companion while also proving the truthfulness of the Holy Prophet to the Emperor. It is recorded in Tafsir al-Razi that the Byzantine Emperor wrote to Hazrat Umar saying, I am experiencing pain in my head and I have been unable to find a cure, so please send me a remedy. Thus Hazrat Umar sent him a hat. Whenever the Emperor wore the hat, the pain would be cured and as soon as he removed the hat, the pain would return. This bewildered him, and so he examined the hat and found in it a piece of paper with the following words written on it, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. This has been recorded in Tafsir al-Razi. There are also certain prayers of Hazrat Umar Amr bin Maymun relates that Hazrat Umar would pray, Allahumma tuwafani ma'al abrar, wa la tukhallifni fil ashrar, waqini adab al-nar, wa alhiqni bil akhyar meaning, O Allah, cause my demise to be with the righteous people and do not leave me behind amongst the evil people. Save me from the torment of the fire and include me among the righteous people. Yahya bin Sa'id bin Musayyib narrates that when Hazrat Umar bin Khattab was returning from Mina, he stopped his camel in Abta and he created a mound of rocks from the valley of Badha. He then placed a corner of his cloak over the mound and lay down on his cloak. Then he raised his hands towards the sky and prayed, Allahumma kabrat sinni wa da'ufat quwwati wa antasharat ri'ayati wa hafazni ilayka ghayra muzayyin wa la mufarid. Meaning, 
O Allah, I have lived for a long time and my strength has weakened, while the people under my rule have increased. Cause me to die in a way whereby I am not ruined. Thus, the month of Dhul Hijjah had not yet finished when he was attacked and martyred. Hazrat ibn Umar narrates that during a famine, Hazrat Umar adopted a new habit which he had not adopted before. After leading Isha prayer, he would enter his home and continuously offer prayers until the latter part of the night. Then he would emerge and would walk to every corner of Medina. One night at the time of Sehri, he heard him saying, Allahumma la taj'al halaka ummati Muhammad ala yadayh. Meaning, O Allah, let not the nation of Muhammad be ruined at my hands. As the first radiallahu anhu says, one should pray solely for the sake of God Almighty. Then whether others think of him to be bad or good should not matter. One should not intentionally portray themselves to be bad, as has been forbidden through a prayer of the Holy Prophet which he taught to Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu, and that is, Allahumma jal sarirati khayram min alaniya wa jal alaniyati salih. Meaning, O oh Allah, make that which is within me better than which is apparent, and make my apparent good. There are also narrations regarding the manner in which Hazrat Umar upheld the etiquettes of the Prophet's mosque and the prayers. Hazrat Sa'ib bin Yazid narrates that he was standing in the mosque when someone threw a stone at him. He turned and saw that it was Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab. He said, Bring those two people to me. There were two people who had been talking loudly. So he took them to Hazrat Umar who said, Who are you or where are you from? They replied that they were residents of Taif. Upon this, Hazrat Umar said, Had you been residents of the city, I would have punished you for speaking so loudly in the mosque of the Holy Prophet Hazrat ibn Umar states that it was the practice of Hazrat Umar to not say Allahu Akbar, i.e. the beginning of the prayer, until the rose was straight. In fact, he had appointed a person for the task of ensuring that the rose was straight. Abu Uthman Nadi states that as the Iqama was announced, he would see Hazrat Umar standing with his back turned towards the Qibla and would say, O oh, so-and-so move forward, or O oh, so-and-so move back. In other words, he would organize the rose. When the rose would be straight, he would turn towards the Qibla and say, Allahu Akbar. There is a narration among many with regards to Hazrat Umar's financial sacrifices and spending in the way of Allah the Almighty. Hazrat Ibn Umar relates that Hazrat Umar obtained some land in Khaybar and he went to consult with the Holy Prophet about this land. He said, O Messenger of Allah I have obtained some land in Khaybar. In my opinion, I never obtained any property as good as this. What do you advise me in this regard? The Holy Prophet said, if you wish, you can donate the land in the way of Allah, and whatever the income it yields, you can spend it on the poor. Nafis states that Hazrat Umar gave that land as charity on the condition that it would not be sold, it would not be gifted to anyone, nor would it be distributed as part of any inheritance. He devoted that land for the sake of the needy, his relatives, 
to free slaves for any service in the way of Allah for travelers and guests. He said that it would be permissible for the caretaker of the land to derive benefit from the land according to what was customary, but he should not accumulate wealth from it. Whenever an opportunity arose, Hazrat Umar strove to excel in making financial sacrifices. There was also the time when the Holy Prophet made an appeal for financial sacrifices and Hazrat Umar brought half of his wealth. This incident has been mentioned before. Yet, he feared God Almighty so much that as he was about to pass away, tears flowed from his eyes and he would say, I am not deserving of any reward. All I wish is to avoid punishment. This was a degree to which he feared God Almighty. There are a few incidents still remaining which will be mentioned in the future, God willing. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah,